0: Welcome to Policy Chats, the official podcast of the School of Public Policy at the University of California, Riverside. I'm your host, Maddie Bunting. Join me and my classmates as we learn about potential policy solutions for today's biggest societal challenges. Joining us today is Director of the Department of Public Social Services in Riverside County, Saori Baldwin. I chatted with her about the many programs that are considered social services and their role in society, both before and during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mrs. Baldwin, you are the Director of Public Social Services for Riverside County. Your department is responsible for family, adult, and children services, ranging from CalFresh to Medi-Cal so much falls under your purview. I'm curious if you could speak more about the depth of public services offered in the county and just how many people need these very services both before and right now during the pandemic.
1: The Department of Social Services employs approximately 4,200 employees and serves over 750,000 customers throughout the year. The department consists of three major programmatic divisions The first is our self-sufficiency division, who is responsible for administering eligibility programs, which includes Medi-Cal, CalFresh, which is a nutritional assistance program, formerly known as Food Stamps, CalWorks, which is a cash assistance program. We offer employment services, childcare, and also we administer a general assistance program. The goals of our self-sufficiency programs are to assist participants to increase their financial stability, improve or maintain their health, and move forward on an individualized path toward self-sufficiency. Our next division is our Children's Services Division, who is mandated to investigate allegations of child abuse and neglect. They provide services to families that need assistance in the protection and care of their children, arrange for children to live with kin or with foster families when they are not safe at home, and arrange for reunification, adoption, or other permanent family connections for children leaving foster care. Our third division is our Adult Protective Services Division Who's responsible for promoting the safety, independence, and quality of life for vulnerable adults who are or are in danger of being abused, neglected by self or others, or financially exploited, and who are unable to protect themselves? This division is mandated to investigate reports of elder or vulnerable adult maltreatment and to intervene to protect the victims to the extent possible. Within the Adult Protective Services Division, we have our in-home supportive services, which provides home care assistance to elders, dependent adults, and minors with disabilities to live safely in their homes or other non-institutional settings.
0: I'd love to talk about a little bit more current events, Um, you know, amid this pandemic and following Black Lives Matter protests this summer, many Americans are calling for a greater portion of government budgets to fund social services. As we're hearing, it covers a lot. Um, If money was reallocated, let's say in the next fiscal year or in the future, what would the county or even the country look like um, if we were to make social services um, a, a higher priority?
1: Well, first of all, I wanted to say um, we work very closely with law enforcement, um, but there's also overwhelming research um, regarding the outcomes of children, um, particularly those children who grow up in poverty. And so um, in social services, if money were reallocated Um, What we've been looking at is preventative services programs and preventative and supportive services programs. um, And we would increase and wrap services around communities that are in need. Um, We would also look to reduce the number of um, our staffing to caseload ratio. And really the goal in that situation is to provide um the time and therefore offer quality services uh, for individuals in need. Um, I will say that our board of supervisors have been very supportive in supporting social services programs and um, with the goal of focusing on the two things that I've just talked about increasing preventative services along with uh, decreasing our staffing ratios.
0: Has this been the attitude, the mood for a while now, and, and maybe these times are just shining a light on it? Or have you, during such chaos and so much going on, have you seen a shift uh, within your department or, or have you been focusing on on, on prevention?
1: Well, um, so it's kind of the perfect storm happening right now. So in the midst of the protest, uh, the bottom line is we have a pandemic going on. And we know that individuals are losing their jobs as a result of um, folks not going to uh, restaurants to eat. And when we look at our low-income working, the working poor, uh, those folks are really the ones that are in crisis right now. Mm -hmm. And so anytime our economy suffers, um, so does the needed services Um, in terms of we need to support our low income worker. And so um, with that dynamic going on, again, we have two things, your social awareness in terms of disparity, and then we have our businesses shutting down that are impacting. Um, So for me, it's really just the perfect time to relook at um, how we can support the individuals, uh, support the working poor. Um, so has it always been a priority? Uh, there's always been a fight for scarce resources and um, every budget year, you know, our policymakers have to make the decision um, regarding where funding goes and um, where both services are needed um, for me because I come from a social services uh, setting and I really do think that community service and preventative services uh, should always be the key. Um, in order to alleviate the, pro- the problems of society.
0: University of California, Irvine, Assistant Professor Moira Allaire talks about trends in California water rates and utility selection of pricing on January 19th at noon as part of the UCR Water Seminar Series. Learn more at spp.ucr.edu. You can also find the RSVP link in our show notes. I wanted to ask this is something I, I personally am curious about and i have some professors at at ucr the school of public policy i've looked into a bit do you believe there is a stigma surrounding social services um let's say a, a working poor family or an individual who is struggling if they need help um do they do their research and find out if they're eligible or, or do they do they think oh you know, that's welfare, you know, they don't want government help. Do you think everyone who needs help actually, you know, looks out for themselves and and does the research and and gets that help?
1: Over the years, we have worked on a number of marketing strategies um, to hopefully alleviate the stigma attached uh, to our social services programs. Um, But I absolutely still believe that there is a stigma attached um, when you think about individuals, particularly our seniors um, who are on a fixed income. So what we do is we look at our poverty rate and we compare it to the number of people who access our services. And for our elderly, we don't want those individuals um, needing to make a decision on, do I pay my rent this month? Do I pay for you know, a a medicine that I can't afford? um, Do I buy food? And so we still have um, many individuals that uh, don't access our services that are eligible. And we know that just based on comparing our poverty rate to the number of people um, who receive our benefits. And so, you know, I'm hoping that individuals will understand that these individuals um, have paid their dues and have paid into the system Mm -hmm. Um, And if they're eligible for benefits, uh, our goal is to um, service them to the extent possible. Um, But yes, there's still a stigma um, attached to individuals receiving our services.
0: I'm sure. And I hope, you know, over time that uh, that percentage goes down. Um, I hope, you know, people don't have to make those really, really tough sacrifices and choices, um, especially since we do have, have programs that could help them. Um, back, you know, you, you, we had just talked about the COVID 19 recession um, and how that's impacted so many people from food, housing, and employment in the US and across the world. Um, we were talking about how poverty is a great concern, and your department houses um, assistance, as you talked about at the beginning nutrition, um, housing, um, as well as employment and homeless programs. As of right now, our programs in Riverside County or even the state, um, or the country? Um, We're in changing times right now, but are we prepared to continue aiding constituents facing such hardships in this new year? Do we have the resources and and the money?
1: Prior to the pandemic, in January for Medi-Cal, we received about 14,000 applications a month. And then for our CalFresh benefits, we received about 13,000 applications a month. So then when COVID hit and business started shutting down, our CalFresh applications jumped to about 21,000 applications a month. And then for Medi-Cal, it pretty much stayed steady about 14,000 applications a month. And then when the stimulus check first came in, where our applications for uh, CalFresh went from the 21,000 to 14,000 but you can follow the trend uh, in terms of our services. And so the best way for me to illustrate um, the impact of COVID and the pandemic, I will start off by saying in Riverside County, we serve a large number of individuals who are considered to be um, the working poor. So, Um, If you can just picture a family who works at a minimum wage job at $12 an hour and let's say you have a mom and she has three kids, she works 80 hours, um, 160 hours a month um, and you know what her income is, is a little over $1,900 a month. And if you look at the average rent and the lack of affordable housing in in Riverside County, these individuals uh, now just think if you have to pay for health insurance, purchase food, pay for childcare, it's difficult. And so now with the pandemic and these low wage jobs um, being impacted, they're either shutting down or they're not offering full-time employment, um, our families are being devastated. And so things like the stimulus check uh, you know, it's just a temporary solution to help individuals get over the hump, and then we offer our medical benefits, our CalFresh benefits, um, cash assistance if needed, um, in order to temporarily help uh, individuals. And so, these are very complex issues, and we have short-term, you know, and long-term strategies. So your your affordable housing uh, that. Issue in Riverside County is not going to be resolved overnight. And so we work with our community partners um, in order to look at how we can supplement um, individuals' housing needs. And so our uh, programs are impacted, directly impacted by the economy. Social injustice, health disparities, climate change, are you interested in solving pressing challenges like these currently facing our region and the world? Then consider joining the next cohort of future policy leaders like me by applying for the UCR Master of Public Policy program. Learn more at mpp.ucr.edu. You can also find the link in our show notes.
0: So the COVID-19 pandemic has shined a light on public health, of course, as well as private versus public health care in this country and, and based, employer-based insurance. As unemployment skyrocketed in 2020, what if any effects did you see in healthcare assistance in Riverside County?
1: So our um, Medi-Cal programs by far has always been, um, actually for the last 10 years, our largest program. So prior to the pandemic, uh, we took about 14,000 applications a month. Um, And so what it tells us is that in Riverside County, again, you have a large number of people who are in need of health insurance. And so it's an interesting dynamic in terms of those numbers. Applications pre versus post pandemic has pretty much been the same. But on the other hand, we're not surprised because usually what happens is that people access health insurance um, usually when they're in crisis. So uh, if you go to the emergency room and you don't have health insurance, um, particularly at our county hospitals or our clinics, we automatically take a Medi-Cal application there. Um, because we don't want people not um, accessing services uh, because they don't have health insurance. And what happens in society is people usually go to the doctor when it's an emergency. And so for us, the goal again, for any health insurance is preventative services that you go to the doctor when you have a code, or for example, if you're pregnant and you need prenatal care and that you don't wait. That's really not how it works because some people are just nervous uh, and they don't go to the doctor until it becomes an emergency. And so um, it's important, again, that, you know, we offer these preventative services and that people really understand the services that are available to them um, based on their income levels.
0: As we're, we're reaching the end, I know we've been talking a lot about maybe more on the side of adult or family services, but I'd like to touch again on, on the children's services that you you spoke about at the beginning. From a public administrative standpoint, have you noticed a difference in children's social services needs? Um, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about, you know, education from home, the digital divide. But you know, are you getting more phone calls about um, neglect or abuse or or children? their mental health, just anything, just being, you know, stuck at home right now. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you for that question uh, because that's one of the things that we're worried about um, is when we come out of this pandemic. Um, So what we know for a fact is that uh, families, uh, adults are losing their jobs. We also know that uh, children are at home isolated Mm -hmm. uh, and so are, you know, parents. And so if you couple, you know, financial crisis with isolation, um, it sounds like a recipe uh, for disaster. And so when the pandemic first hit, um, first of all, I will say our number one caller to our child abuse hotline are teachers. They're the ones prior to the pandemic that would have their eyes and ears on kids. And so when the pandemic hit, Uh, our hotline calls uh, for abuse and neglect uh, decreased by about 20 percent. So we saw the numbers going down. And uh, as we move, we're about, what, nine to 10 months into this pandemic. Our number of hotline calls are going back up again and school's not in. So we're just trying to figure out, you know, what that dynamic looks like. Um, Over the last 10 months, we've engaged in a very aggressive marketing strategy um, in which not only did we engage with our uh, teachers, but also our communities to keep their eyes on our kids. And so um, if you have neighbors, you know, the schools, they're doing uh, virtual uh, classroom setting. And so you're not always going to see a bruise, uh, but we're just talking about, just pay attention to particular signs in terms of attendance, um, engagement, uh, and you know our, our goal really is to educate the community to say this is a community responsibility to ensure that our children um, are kept safe. We worry about kids, uh, particularly, who do not have the resources, um, so we can, The school district can issue a laptop, but if you have a low wage worker and mom has to be at work because she's not afforded the opportunity to to telework, that means that that first grader or kindergarten may be at home, um, you know, trying to access the computer and, and, you know, uh, they're going to school, maybe without supervision. Um, We have children that, you know, where learning is difficult, you know, for any average, you know, you're a college student, I'd be curious to see how virtual learning has worked. And can you imagine being a first grader, second grader, third grader, and you don't have dedicated space to learn, let alone the supports necessary? And so those are the things that we are really working um, with our community partners um, to ensure that we do everything possible to assist these families that have the greatest need.
0: And I think it's so important. Um, I talk with my friends all the time. College already has somewhat of a um, an online setup with you know um, course materials and assignments and submissions. So. Um, you know the the transition wasn't as difficult for us, but for K through 12, you take recess away. You know you take um, after school programs away, and um, what if they don't have um, a computer at home, or what if they don't know how to access it, or there's a language barrier, or there's just so much going on. I'm so glad to hear all the work you're doing at the department, and I only hope you know when we when K through 12 or in school in general goes back in person that we just help meet those needs again with yet another transition. For those watching or listening who may be struggling um, with any of the topics we've talked about or or you mentioned that are covered under your department, do you have any suggestions for where they can find help or assistance or if they're wondering if they're eligible or um, if there are services they may not know about?
1: So thank you again for asking um, that question. So the easiest way is you can um, Google Riverside County Department of Public Social Services and it will um, link you to our website and it will give you a a overview of all of our programs. Um, But if you're interested in applying online for any of our social services programs that I talked about today, um, you can go online and the website is C for the number four, c4yourself.com. Um, you can also call 877-410-8827 to apply for any of our social um, services programs online. Um, if you suspect any child abuse or neglect, uh, you can call our hotline at one 800 442 4918 and then I'll leave you with one last number. Um, If you suspect any elder or dependent abuse, you can call us at 800-491-7123.
0: Thank you so much. I will uh, make sure I do my best to link all that um, in the description and show notes below. Um, So hopefully that will just be an easy click Director Baldwin, I just wanna thank you so much. I think um, people are going through so much right now um, and if they need any help, um, you know, your department and departments all over um, the country and different counties are doing so much. So I just hope, um, you know, uh, people search to see if they're eligible and get the help they need. So I just wanna thank you for the work you do and for coming on and just helping share some of, you know, the statistics and and programs uh, so people, are just more aware of, of what's available to them. So thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about our social services programs.
0: Policy Chats is a production of the UC Riverside School of Public Policy. Our theme music was composed by C. Codane. I'm Maddie Venting. Till next time.